Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by two awesome co-hosts. Nate Heininger. Laura Nash. And this week we are also joined by a guest, frequent guest and friend of the show. Welcome back, Mark Bramhill. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, and in case you haven't listened to an episode with Mark before, uh, Mark is the assistant producer of Bird Note, uh, a podcast all about the exciting life of birds and it's daily which is a pretty astonishing feat um <laughs> i don't know how they pull that off uh but uh we thought he would be perfect to bring him in to talk about this week's episode untitled goose game yeah uh, glad to lend my bird expertise to the subject <laughs> yep. it is the, not the, the first time we have called on mark for his bird knowledge as in recent bird week before it was apple design awards but like really now he's just the bird guy he's, he's just our bird correspondent <laughs> it's weird how much overlap there is like once we've locked in on this bird thing like, yeah, Mark, get back here. We need you. <laughs> I mean, you know how many uh, how many games come out every year that include birds? I don't know for sure, but odds are A we're lot. going to cover one hundred percent of them. <laughs> Not this year. We're at like. 20% this year. This year is all about birds. And Untitled Goose, same as the biggest release? They're yeah. All flying right past us. We can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> so Untitled Goose Game, you're right, is a pretty big release, which is a weird thing to say because this is, feels like a strange little niche game, but it's also managed to make a really big splash in the part of the internet that follows this sorts of games and, and even outside it. But, but, but before we get into talking too much about Untitled Goose Game uh, and making all of our various bird puns that we're all uh, sitting on and uh, waiting to hatch. Um, I wanted to talk real quick about the Patreon. Uh, Not boo Patreon. (laughs) Boo the pun. Yay, Patreon. Yay, Patreon. Uh, So if you're not aware, listeners, this show is supported by listeners like you doing the NPR thing here on uh, Patreon. Uh, So you can go to www.patreon.com patreon.com slash the short game uh, or to our website uh, the short game.net and click patreon up at the top of the page either way you'll get to our patreon page where uh, listeners like you are supporting our show and we thank them very much uh, if you would like to join our patreon supporters the number one perk for supporters on patreon is that all of our patrons at any level get an invite to our community on discord which is where we talk about the games that we're playing as we're playing them we prepare uh episodes there so you get that back uh, background on the episode we make fun jokes and puns and whatnot uh, so uh if you're interested please join us at patreon.com slash the short game uh, or at uh, www.theshortgame.net and click the patreon link at the top yeah, I really feel like the Discord has been popping off lately. It's been a lively conversation across multiple different channels. So those who are in the Discord, we can't thank you enough already for being a part of it. And those who are sitting there like, do I want to know about Nate's personal conflicts that lead him to making uh, episodes be a little bit later than they should be? If you want to know that, get in our Discord because we have everything. <laughs> we Everything is, we plan literally every element of this show on our discord and uh it's been fun it's been i really feel like i've gotten to know some of the people who listen uh and for a very long time this show was just like you know you release a podcast and it's just like out into the void right uh and now we're actually starting sort of form a little community getting to know some people and it's been a lot of fun uh so get in there tell us about yourself yeah yeah just some games it made it a lot more fun for me to play along with uh some games uh and 
I really enjoy, uh, I'm really enjoying the Apple Arcade channel uh, and sorting through the just glut of games that was have been dropped uh, in the past couple weeks. Yes, uh, been a busy time. It's been great to validate our hot takes in advance of recording because sometimes we say things and then people are like, that's factually inaccurate. And we're like, oh, yeah. great. Let's not say it on the podcast. Do so, I workshop jokes in the Discord? Absolutely. Yes. Do we say them and pretend to laugh like we never heard them? Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, thank you again. So... And thanks, Mark, for coming on the show again. Uh, I cannot wait to chat about Untitled Goose Game. This is by a developer called House House that I wasn't familiar with, but I actually had seen one. They have one previous game, and it was one that I, I was sort of vaguely aware of. Did any of you guys play Push Me, Pull You? I played it a little bit. I think it bit Bash or another game festival like it. it it's that little bit like... Cute gross combo, I think is how you described it. Yeah, absolutely. The, if you uh, look it up, it's on PS4 as well as I think Steam for Mac and Linux and Windows. And uh, it's a very cute, but also kind of distressing, uh, I guess you'd kind of call it like a, a soccer-esque kind of game where you're trying to get balls into goals. But rather than playing as a team of players, you're playing as a sort of a human centipede with uh, two people at either end, these sort of horrible, crawling, stretching, gross people snakes. Yeah, I think the cute way to talk about it is like, are you playing that um, that childhood game where you like have a bunch of people on two sides of like tug of war? That's what I'm thinking. It's like tug of war, but plus soccer. That's the cute way to describe it. It is a lot grosser than that. It, it's just, it's just weird. And, but they have a- I think But they're kind of attached. A, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not it's, a rope. It's, it's distressing in a way that's hard to put my finger on, but um, <laughs> it's- uh, it looks neat, uh, but it wasn't one that made, I think, nearly as big of a splash as this game. Um, Untitled Goose Game is their second game, and it's their first one published by Panic. Uh, so Panic is, it's still weird to me that these guys have become a notable video game publisher. Yeah, they're uh, really established in the Apple community as a longtime Mac developer um, and making great apps for iOS as well. Um, most famous for Transmit and FTP app uh, and if, Coda. If you're listening uh, to this episode, it was uploaded to our uh, Amazon uh, A, uh, whatever the thing is called, S3. hosting S3, thank you, uh, yeah. hosting account using Panics Transmit. Yeah. But yeah, Transmit, Coda, um, they made um, Audion back in the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, and. You and know, then they made, made Firewatch. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, <laughs> then they published, published yeah. Firewatch. So weird that they transitioned into, into video game publishing, but they seem to be doing a great job. They've picked, you know, uh, obviously Firewatch was a big success. And then this game, I think this is like just really, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd call it smart or lucky or both, but I think they recognized a game that had a, a massive potential for, I guess, memeiness sounds a bit dismissive. Virality is yes, the, virality, the marketing term. The virulent game. Um, but yeah, this this game has, they've, and I also I think they've just done a very smart job of doing sort of social media marketing on it. But it's 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 had a, an almost unbelievable amount of hype uh, approaching its release and afterwards that is... I mean, honestly, kind of weird for... To be honest, this game uh, should 
not have had the release success it did because it came one day after that avalanche of like 15,000 games getting released at once. Literally the day after it, Goose Game comes over and just sweeps <laughs> aside all of the conversations and having for weeks. Like it, like maybe there would be one tweet about an Apple Arcade game, six tweets about the Goose, one tweet about an Apple Arcade game. It was almost insane how quickly yeah. it took over the conversation. And it hypothetically shouldn't have worked. To me, the first thing that I loved was the catchphrase they had or the tagline, it's a lovely morning in the village and you are a horrible goose. I was <laughs> done after that sentence. Like I was going to stand this game unless it like set fire to my foot and hit me <laughs> over the head. I was going to be a huge Which fan. it probably will actually. I mean, yeah. the goose would, but I would be okay with it. <laughs> well, this is a game. This is a game that is, is like better than the sum of its parts. Yeah. You know, and and one of those big parts in there though, is it's, it's voice, you know, and it's marketing and it's style. Uh, That kind of is bigger than the actual game and the gameplay. And I think that's part of what made the, made it so successful. And it also points out how good of a publisher panic is. Uh, Firewatch was also kind of the same. Like I loved Mm -hmm. Firewatch. But the the marketing and the whole world around it was almost bigger than the actual game itself as well. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about the title? I mean, before we get into anything really about the game, the title is like really distinctive and unusual. Um, and I think that might have been an early reason that this game was talked about. I mean, it fits to a T the game to me. Like they... Yeah. I know it was kind of a happy accident in a way. They needed a name for a exi- like for a conference or exhibition or something, and they were calling it Goose Game internally. So they called it. You know, it's very much like that '70s show. Like the writers called it that '70s show, and we're like, well, that's what everyone's going to call it anyway. So just name it that. Uh-huh. I feel like Untitled Goose Game fits this game so well because it is a exactly what it says on the tin. It doesn't dress it up. It's not trying to be cute. Like, think about it. This game was called, like, Honk or, like, Hatchems or, like, it would be so much worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only other option, and you kind of just said it, it's either this or just Goose Game. Mm-hmm. Anything yeah. else would have been... Like, Untitled uh, Goose un- Game is now Goose Game. I would have been fine with that. <laughs> yeah, it's all fine. Like, that's as much as you needed. I mean, it it also helps. I like, like Laura said about like the, that seventies show, it helps very much that like there, what other goose games are there? Like there's, there are zero. And as far as I'm aware, and so drawing the attention, drawing attention to the fact that this has a really unique premise. This is a game where you play as a bad goose. Are you arguably just a a regular goose? (laughs) Yeah. I I think that's part of the point. (laughs) That's absolutely true. Like there, I think, if you ask me, if you ask almost anyone, like, what are two things you know about geese? Well, um, they migrate and they're mean to people. Like, that's- yeah, it's actually pretty remarkable that it that we just now got to a game where like a goose being an asshole is the main, you know, is the main concept of the game because it is a universal truth about geese. We got like a guy who can only move by swinging a hammer before we got to a goose. <laughs> like- Yep. Games are weird. You can play like physical embodiments of spit before we play geese. Like games have been weird for a while. This one feels obvious. Yeah, or that the totally normal game about a dad who happens to be an octopus also. Of course. 
normal game stuff. So yeah, let's talk about the goose first. Like what what do we want to talk about about how do we, how do we describe the goose? So I adore the intro of this goose because what happens is it's a bush. You just see this idyllic village and there's a bush and it says press white a honk and you press white a honk and you see little sound waves come from a book from this bush. You hear the giant honk and then the goose sticks its head out and then you hit it again and it honks and then you waddle out of the bush. So the idea is like you are hiding in plain sight. You are this goose. You are a horrible creature. But the first thing you're going to do is make noise and be known. So like that to me, like you get the honk, you get the hiding and then you waddle out and you just like the animations are so satisfying because you feel smug immediately Mm -hmm. you own this town you're a goose you learn how to like wave your arms around which as far as i know doesn't do anything except let you take up space which i enjoyed but like basically you're the boss of this town and then you can enter it but they make sure you have total control of this dickhead goose before you get to saunter into the village and wreak havoc. And that to me made it so much better than if the goose had been in the middle of a screen, like a little circle and they like vignetted out. And then the goose like honked at someone and it froze and said, untitled goose game. No, 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 no. This game is better than that. Yeah, it is a really yeah. good intro. <laughs> so once you uh, gain control or become the goose. Uh, <laughs> you manifest your gooseliness. <laughs> oh God. The- I think the way, like the way I kept thinking of this game is, it's kind of like a classic small-scale adventure game, but the adventures are how you can be an asshole to seemingly fine and normal people, right? Yeah. So normally, in maybe an older adventure game, you have to go around and you collect little items that interact with each other to move the story forward to create a circumstance that actually like achieves a little goal. You know, you go get like, I'm thinking like Grim Fandango, right? You have to find the spatula in this place and you bring it over here and then the cook finds it and that allows you to do this, et cetera, right? It, it, it's all about like item and, and scenery manipulation to achieve your goal. But instead of like moving a character's plot or arc forward, it's all about either minorly or severely inconveniencing uh, the people that exist in this world. Uh, the goose seems to have a, a goal, a mindset, uh, which as the game goes along, that evolves a little bit, but more or less you're entering into a new zone, a new environment, and you're given a list of things to do uh, from uh, make someone buy their own stuff back uh, to make someone go barefoot or make someone dress you in a bow tie. There's, there's all sorts of like really silly things. And your job is to enter into this zone and manipulate the world in a way that accomplishes these goals. Uh, and they are all, there's not a one that isn't like sort of some way inconveniencing one of the people that exist in this world. It's like, what if all of the Zelda hearts were achieved for making someone's day worse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And nothing like too horrible. I mean, there's some things like a few things, maybe you break them or you like rearrange things. It's just like, yeah, you're not really like, injuring anyone. Yeah. Or, and I actually really loved that about it. It's just like, they're pranks. Yeah. They are pranks because the people like catch you and there's a whole thing about like no more geese. And it's like if you were actually hurt, someone would kill the goose. Right? But instead, <laughs> they'd be like, but instead you're like, 
oh, I'm going to make you, uh, I'm going to steal this guy's hat, bring it over here, and then this person is going to put it on this statue. And now that guy doesn't have a hat, and now this person looks stupid because they put someone else's hat on a statue, right? I mean, from the villager's point of view, like, they don't know it's just one mastermind geese. Like, <laughs> geese don't look that distinctive. So, like, in them, there might be, like, 30 geese terrorizing this town. They don't yeah. know it's just you. <laughs> and I've heard this game described in many places, pretty much everywhere, as a stealth game, um, which I think somewhat makes sense, but kind of depends on your play style. Because, like, I I did not play a very stealthy goose. There are a few places in this game that really, truly require stealth. But I, in most places, stealth can, can also be fully replaced by loud, angry honking and aggressive running and flapping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah. appreciated that about this because, like, personally, I don't usually enjoy the stealth genre very much. Um, but I enjoyed this very, very much because it it lets you, um, you know, it, you can certainly approach things in a stealthy manner, um, but you don't always have to. And very often the non-stealthy approach is funnier, even if sometimes it's a bit harder. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a lot of sort of room for freedom of expression. You kind of just decide you know, everyone's goose is going to be an asshole goose, but you kind of have a a choice over what type of asshole you are. Yeah, it was fun. Um, There's a guy named Kalen the DM on Twitter, uh, at Kalen DM, that said, like, it says a lot about games discourse that so many people are making that stealth game comparison. Like, it's a nonviolent stealth game. He actually compared it to silent film, like vaudeville comedy styles, and, like, especially how it fit with that, um, the soundtrack where, like, things fall, and, like, the idea that, like, Oh, Small Town has, like, Bad Day is a silent film, like a Buster Keaton. Yeah, a mm. Buster Keaton movie is, like, a really good comparison. Like, something – and the the soundtrack definitely enhances that feeling, but it does have that feeling of just sort of like a, you know, a slapstick physical comedy that's, you know, about a goose. Well, because this – also, the stakes are really low. Like, they, yeah. they, they very smartly and very – naturally made it where like if you mess up because you know if if you think of it like a stealth game um the failure is being like caught and chased by the humans uh who sort of like interrupt whatever your plan is yeah and all they do is they kind of shoo you and they shoo you away and you kind of lose control of your goose a little bit um they kind of will force you in a direction until you get out of their their space and then what they do is they go around and basically like reset the scene. So if yeah. your goal was to uh, make someone break a uh, a valuable vase and you don't really know how you're supposed to do that. So you're going and grabbing the vase and you're like dragging it around and you get it maybe pretty far away from where it's supposed to be. But then you get caught and they chase you away. They're going to pick up that vase and bring it right back where it was before. They're constantly like little stage managers resetting the scene for you. So if you goof uh, and you mess up or whatever, you just kind of constantly get to try different things. Uh, And like, there's no, the reset is like all the, all the goals are pretty quick once you know how to do it. So you can just like keep trying different things over and over Mm -hmm. and trying very silly different things. And to Reagan's point, like you don't have to be stealthy. I think like some hybrid in between is kind of where I was. Because the humans, and this makes sense, they all walk or they all run just a little bit faster than you can as a goose. So yeah. if if it involves, if part of your plan involves getting away, you don't have to do it perfect. 
You just have to have built enough lead time to get away from them. <laughs> like, just Get enough, away just far enough just to throw that enough. rake in that lake. Yeah, before they catch you, right? And so that might be really sneaky going over and, like, pecking away a bunch of uh, of leaves so that the woman goes and picks up her shears and she's distracted by cutting, you know, by by pruning the bush that you just messed up. Or it means just going like 10 feet away, honking a ton. So she walks over there and then you, as quickly as you can, dart around the corner. The controls are a little sloppy, which makes it part of part of the fun of it. And you just try to like outrace these, you know, humans. And it, I, I really liked the different uh, play styles you could do. It, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, I know what I, I think I know what I'm supposed to do. And so I, I have to execute it. Um, and the execution is silly. Even when you nail it, you're a goose. So yeah, it's totally. always silly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on I really like the point of like that the stakes are really low on this. Um, and I feel like it really gets at, I think, a big part of why I love this game and why I love a lot of stories that are share a similar element that the stakes are low, but the drama is really high. Everyone cares <laughs> and is so invested in this thing where kind of nothing matters so it's it's okay like the you're allowed to have that buy into it where if everything goes totally under like just goes underwater everything goes bad you know it's not a big deal like even you even playing this game that everything gets messed up none of the things you're doing are they're pranks in this way where it's like it's really fun to do and if something goes wrong and you're caught, you're just chewed away. And it's just like, it's so fun how angry you make the people in the game. <laughs> and yeah. just like the the level of investment that you feel in the game and that every character feels. Like that's, I think, so, so much of what makes it come alive as you play it. Often, and this is a, a bit hypocritical for someone who is a games podcast, but often describing exactly what happens in a video game is super boring. Mm. We often have to try really hard to get around that. This game, if we just describe the steps we took to like these pranks go off, you would be laughing. Like even describing it is funny. Like the the steps you take, I've talked about it to work, and they're like, "What are you What are you covering for the podcast this week?" I've been like, "Goose game." They're like, what happened? I was like, "Let me describe how I made this kid." put on a different pair of glasses. And I've said that they've been like, oh God, I have to play this game. I can't wait to play these stupid pranks on people. It's fun to describe it. And it also makes like, it's so accessible. It's not just accessible to non-gamers. It's exciting because they want to have fun and play with the goose game and run around and be a goose. And there's no, it doesn't feel like there's a high skill to involve. You just like are mm-hmm. like, oh, I can peck stuff and try to solve problems. Yeah. So many puzzle games feel like they're like, oh yeah, you have to have played 30 puzzle games to get this. This one's like, oh no, I'm just a dickhead goose. How am I going to get this yeah. what I want? Yeah. And they also give you um one thing that is very nice because some of the some of the puzzles, and I think that's the best way to describe them is, you know, goose puzzles <laughs> is uh okay. you you you're basically that's what I them. you're presented with a list of things you have to do right and some of them are super obscure and some of them you can pretty much tell right out of the gates like i I have a general idea of what i need to accomplish with this and it makes it where even if one of them you're like i I know i need to get this guy to spit out his tea uh i think i know how to do it um but the couple times the couple efforts i made didn't work so I'm going to go to a different thing on the list and I'll probably make uh, a discovery 
while working on another thing on the list that will help me uh, resolve the one that I started at the beginning. So there, you just get this sort of open world is not the right word for it, but <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but the the list of uh, of you know achievements, puzzles, whatever allows for such experimentation that even if one of them seems difficult or seems like unintelligible or you have no idea what to do, it's like cool, go do another one, uh, and you'll probably by doing those start to unlock what you need to do for the other ones. So there's never any like real high challenge in this game, a real high stress. And there's also, you know, there were a couple of things that were kind of hard. A little of them took a little bit of execution, at least in the way that I played, which was, I think similar to Reagan, which was a lot of like mad dash, try to beat them. Uh, yeah. And even at, even at the worst, when I kept getting caught, like I just had to like, okay, what if I'm starting to feel frustrated, what am I actually doing right now? Oh no. What this... you're doing right now is you're flapping your arms as a goose yeah. because you're like, no, I'm supposed yeah. to do this. Yeah, this this chef keeps stopping me from grabbing this pint glass. And every time I grab the pint glass and he gets me, I drop it and break it. You know, and it's like that's such low stakes that you just take a step back, hit the honk button a lot, spin in circles, laugh at the goose animation, and just move forward. Yeah, it's also really fun that you can explore some of the extra areas. I mean, it's not a huge playing field, but there's little extra spots. Not only might it help you achieve an objective, but also you can find little stupid stuff. I think that uh, Shane isn't on the podcast this week, but we've been delighted about hearing his stories about playing it with his uh, little two-year-old. And he's like, Ty apparently lost his mind when the goose picked up a pacifier Mm. and kept Mm. like yelling, make him a baby. (laughs) And like Ty came up with- Make the goose a baby. Make the goose a baby. He's a baby. Um, also, apparently, like Ty would just be like, "New, new mission: pick up all the pumpkins, <laughs> move them all to the bushes, move them all to the bushes." <laughs> or he wanted uh, he wanted Shane to just drop everything into the well. As soon as they discovered the well, he was like, "Drop this in the well. Drop that in the well. Put that in the well." And like that's mm. this actually sounds like a like something about that. I think something about the how clear the activity of this game is like is what makes it uh, i think appealing and accessible to you know gamers and non-gamers you know you can watch a gif of this game and immediately understand that like oh this is a game about being a goose something i really liked from a there's a gizmodo uh article uh called uh, a bird watcher's review of untitled goose game the person who wrote it was not a big uh video game player but they were very excited to play this game because they love birds and uh, they immediately looked at it and said, oh, uh, well, here's a quote from it. He said, uh, when I heard there was a game where I could simply be a goose, I knew I had to play. I could be good at being a goose. And I think that's what really appeals <laughs> to people about this. Like a, a two-year-old can look at this and understand what it is possible for a goose to do, you know? And it's the same for anybody, whether they're a gamer or a non-gamer. They can take one look at the action of this game, even in something like a GIF on Twitter, and immediately understand what it is possible for that goose to do. Yeah. Other than maybe being able to grab with its beak, things that like you wouldn't act like a real goose would have a difficult time <laughs> for the most part. It's I think you're all... underestimating geese actually. Well, that's what like other than, okay. Other than the sheer intelligence that would require for these geese to do it. Like there's no ability and there's no thing that you do that is like so wildly out of the realm of what a goose could do if it had the brain of a human. <laughs> out of all the games we've played this year, is this the most likely to get turned into a movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think this could be a a marvelous short film. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, or yeah, like a mini series on Cartoon Network. I I do think this may spawn a a, a goose centered like DreamWorks you know, the, movie. Yeah, there's <laughs> gonna be more goose content, <laughs> and they're all just gonna be trying to you know, ride on the coattails of the success of this goose game. And somewhere out there is like an indie game that we don't know about. That is also goose themed. They're like, damn it. We were here first. You said um, coattails and goose. And now I just have like a, co- a goose wearing like a trench coat and a hat with the pipe he got from the game. And I'm on a, I'm a completely different goose game. game too. Already working on fan art. Too. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, about the kinds of things that the goose can do. Like I want to talk a little bit about the controls of this game because it's very interesting to me that like there are some ways in which the controls are actually a little clunky, but they're also very goosish in a way that's hard yeah. to completely describe. Um, on the switch, um, you know, you're playing this with, uh, with, a uh, you know, an analog stick and you, and, and buttons. And so you can you know, move around with your analog stick in any direction. The goose cannot fly. Um, is only can waddle or run. So there's a run button. You hold down that run button and the goose will walk at a slightly less uh, leisurely waddle than before. He's never fast exactly. It walks with a little more intent. Yeah, yeah. But when you're running... Uh, which you really need to run if you're going to walk even, you know, if you're even going to have any hope of escaping from a human who's intent on grabbing you or or shooing you. Um, While you're running, uh, it restricts your ability to turn, uh, which I think is kind of meant to simulate the way that geese have, geese are not very, not, they're not agile, you know, they're, they can, they can either um, move around or they can move fast, but they definitely can't do both at the same time. Um, So you're able to, run in one direction, more or less. You can slightly turn, but not much. Uh, or you can waddle slowly with full directional control. And then, of course, you have your honk button um, and you have your flap wings button, which really just sort of makes you look threatening. Um, the honk is pretty, you know, is used quite a bit uh, in the sort of action of the game, but the uh, the flapping, not so much. Um, I actually found that Particularly the uh, the turning radius thing was a little bit confusing to me early on, and occasionally a little frustrating. Once I figured yeah. it out, once I kind of got my my goose head around mm-hmm. it, it, it made oh oh, and I'm sorry, I'm missing one more thing. There's a bend over, like a a neck uh, bend uh, button, or is it a trigger? I forget. Trigger. Uh, trigger. Yes. Yeah, the other yeah. triggers uh, spread your wings, which again, useless but fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there are some uses for it yes, in very specific uses. puzzles, but it is most of the time just for show. If you want to look real good. Yeah. Well, it, it's really like, I was walking here. Like, that's what I used it for. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever like been around a goose and it's done that at you, like that's a threat display. That's a scary yeah. thing to see. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm personally very afraid of geese because they are pretty large. And have you ever seen the insides of their mouths? They're, it's the Nightmare. tongue. The tongue placement oh is my so prominent. God. It's very weird. It's a horror show. They're terrifying. Yeah. They have these sort of like, Indeed. I mean, uh, Mark, Mark, you're probably an expert on goose mouths, right? <laughs> you know, uh, I will just agree that horror show is a pretty accurate <laughs> summation. Is this where we relate our personal geese trauma? Because I know Nate has some and I have some. <laughs> uh, sure. I have some secondhand. Let's so go for I it. was like, I was like 11 years old, right? And I would, me and my... That's, uh, that's prime goose terror. Yeah, this territory. is prime nightmare time. Yeah. 
And I was at a Coles, <laughs> which is its own nightmare. Coles, please uh, give us the $5 for that mention. <laughs> Except right, you yeah. called it a nightmare, so maybe don't. <laughs> Brought to you by Not Coles. And I, you know, like most of the department stores, there's like, I don't know, land a little bit of landscaping out front, right? There's like bushes in a, uh, like a brick laid area. Uh, I was out there just, you know, being a child and I guess some goose had chosen that area to be where it had its nest. And I was just walk around being small and kind of came around a corner and I was like two feet from a goose that was on its nest of eggs. And it was very unhappy about my presence and did the whole got tall, started flapping its wings. I was like, I come in peace, you know, and just <laughs> ran. Like I thought I was going to die. It was, uh, I, it was, I will, I will never forget it. So I think uh, Canadian geese are uh, differently colored than the goose in this game, but they are just as much of an asshole. So my, um, my mom needle pointed a Christmas tree skirt for like 20 straight years uh, that had Canadian geese on it. But I grew up in Texas and never seen one. So I actually even wrote like in my college essay, like it was like one of the big metaphors because it's a stupid college essay about like how I wanted to have weather and like maybe I'll see a real goose or something. So I completely romanticized this Canadian <laughs> goose. So I'm at Northwestern and like the lake is partly frozen and there's a ton of geese and I'm like leaning over and I'm taking pictures of the geese with my camera and I'm like, I'm gonna send it to my mom and be like, look, it's come true. And then like my messenger bag's on the ground and a goose walks over and just shits all over my back. <laughs> what? Oh my God. <laughs> you know, honestly, is... I think that's the one thing this game was missing is the ability to take shits all over everything. <laughs> oh my God, that is aggressive. Yeah. I was just like, oh look, my dream has come true. Yeah. Why is my bag covered in goose That's shit? a that is a real alpha move. Actually, yeah, most yeah. of my interactions with geese have been via their their really truly foul feces. <laughs> uh, my area here in Colorado is, I guess, on some kind of goose migration flight path or something. And there's a very specific time of year, twice a year or so, where we get this like absolutely massive influx of geese. And I live right next to a. Um, uh, like a, uh, a like nature preserve sort of thing that you know formerly an armory that has been uh, sort of turned in. There's like there's like bison and stuff in there, you know. So it's like really just a bunch of open space, and so the geese will show up, and you hear them from my house. Um, like there will be a cloud of geese, and they will pass over the house, and you hear this literally like. You, they're as loud as if they were like right in the room with me, just honk 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 for a while because they're very large clouds of these geese and and every time i hear that i'm like better move my car because like yeah. a literal shit storm it, absolutely <laughs> like and and you know you think of bird poop like i i'm used to like pigeon poop right like i'm a city boy but like goose poop is nothing like that it's massive it's like brown massive like like the only barely smaller than dog shits uh, like a small dog and a goose almost indistinguishable and <laughs> it's just oh my god it's so foul and you definitely don't want to approach those things <laughs> they're hanging out in these big crowds where like you know you go anywhere near the crowd of geese they all turn and look at you like hey you came to the wrong neighborhood like get <laughs> out of here like 
Oh man, they are they are a threatening presence in this yeah. area. There's a pond uh, by our old house that we would go, and there are ducks there, normal, friendly ducks, and beta we, beta ducks, beta ducks, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, there was this nice little duck couple that I named Jericho and Deborah. And we would go and feed them all the time. But you had to watch out because these big asshole geese would come over and steal their food. So we always had to like try to distract the geese to go over here <laughs> while we would feed the ducks over here is very obnoxious. Because it's like, come on, goose, you can get your own food. All right. And yet, secretly, we all wanted to play that asshole goose. Well, now I didn't know that. Now but, I do. But now we do. Yeah, yeah, now obviously. And that's what I mean. It was it like saying that earlier, like how did it take us this long to figure out that that is a fun thing to do? Yeah. This be a goose. Yeah, my my brother when we were really little, I remember um at the my grandparents uh live in Honolulu um Ooh. and visiting them uh <laughs> he got bitten by the state bird of Hawaii, the Nene. Uh, a, a kind of goose. <laughs> um, and, what an uh, honor! <laughs> yeah, he is uh, not a fan. <laughs> Very specific Hawaiian version of the goose game meme is to say, "Watch me, nay nay," and the goose bites somebody. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, have you ever seen? So I mentioned the inside of goose mouths before. They are an absolute horror show. If you want to look up a, uh, um, a, a a like a photo or something of them, they have these reverse teeth. Like you don't think of birds as having teeth. You think of you know. Oh, it's a beak. It's like a smooth surface, right? It's not. It's got these like inward facing spines sort of thing. And also there's some of those on their tongues as well. And it looks like like if if a goose bit you, it looks like it would be extremely painful. Yeah. You got to look out for them. Mm hmm. Uh, so back on the so <laughs> that was great. Game, game. That was all great stuff. hashtag content. And if you want more like that, join our Discord. Um, so the uh, uh, just to go back on the movement for a second because that was a thing that like from time to time was frustrating, but I think that was like intentional. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. Right? Oh yeah, it, it felt a little quappy, you know, <laughs> a little octo daddy. Where like. <laughs> Wait, Octo Daddy sounds very different than Octo. It does sound quite <laughs> different. That's a so, different it, game. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's the sequel uh, to Dream no. Daddy. Yeah, yeah, right. When they're all dating each other simultaneously. The whole time. Exactly. Yeah. So I do think it was intentional, but there that's the only time where I was like, oh my God, I, I know what I want to do with this goose. I just can't because you can't turn like you want to turn. Yeah. I think it's something where it definitely adds the right amount of challenge, but unlike something like Quop or um, something like that, where you are, to me, that's too frustrating and limiting. Um, and I wind up feeling just kind of like uh, discouraged from that. Um, yeah. This is like just the right amount of challenge where you're just like really focused on piloting your goose, um, but you're not, <laughs> and you're getting you're getting really into it, but you're not just like feeling discouraged in that way. It's not um, like car games when you have a shitty car and you're like, oh, this car sucks. Why don't I have a better car? This is your body. You're a goose. Like these are inherent limitations of your goosey form. Like I kept trying. There was early on like a shopping basket. You're trying to put stuff in the shopping basket. And I kept turning around and hitting stuff out of the basket with my ass. And I was like, oh, it's just because I have like 
That goose cannot walk in reverse. <laughs> I accidentally flipped that chopping basket upside down. Unfortunately, the game was smart enough that if I placed the items on top of the shopping basket, it, it, counted. Still, yeah. it counted it. So they it's clearly pretty forgiving. Yeah, they did some QA on that stuff. So I, uh, uh, I definitely appreciated that. I also, I like they definitely um, when talking about like the controls. I think they definitely like know what routes people were likely to take when trying to run away or trying to like get to different areas, and they would clearly purposefully put barriers there that made that control scheme require just a little bit of extra like deafness to get around that corner. There's a barrel for no reason. Right. And the only, and that's the thing that's going to catch you. And if that barrel wasn't there, it'd be an easy turn, but they've added obstructions just enough to make it where you have to execute just a little bit more finely than you might expect. It's something I also appreciate because sometimes games like this, where the look is pretty minimalist or like at least that like pastel, like, a pastoral look like it can feel kind of like towns are intentionally empty because they're trying to be like scandy or whatever this game gives enough stuff that the town feels pretty lively like there's a lot of objects mm-hmm. to interact with like sometimes they're trying to get rid of so many things because they don't want extra stuff they have to work on here like yeah like you can go pick up a plane it might not be an achievement but i had a lot of fun playing with that plane taunting that yeah. child with that plane. Yeah. <laughs> they actually do a good because i compared it i was talking about adventure games earlier and one of like the things with adventure games often it's like if you can interact with it it's probably a thing yeah, that they don't you have, need there's no red herrings you know your tasks but you can do stuff yeah. in this game they make it there's so much stuff to interact with that it, it's free for experimentation while also not feeling like limited by what the world is is uh, offering. Yeah, I and even after I'd achieved all of the to do list items, I still went back and was like, "What other havoc can I <laughs> can I cause on <laughs> yeah. this town? Absolutely. What can I do with? Where can I take this pacifier? Or and just like seeing like what sort of weirder multi step things I could accomplish." Um, and still, there's a whole bunch of stuff that isn't uh, explicitly given to you by the game that is still really fun to cause. You know, something I wanted to ask you guys about was like, so it, it feels like really like a like a bit of a revelation in this game that it's like it's a it's a game about the joy of being an asshole in a way that's funny, not mean. You know, like, mm-hmm. and that's a that's kind of a. Um, a difficult needle to thread and I was racking my brain about this because that feels like such a natural fun thing to do in a video game be an asshole be an agent of chaos cause havoc uh, in a way that is you know funny not mean uh, sort of low stakes Uh, and I'm I had a really hard time thinking of any other game that really does that the closest I can think of and a game that I thought about several times as I was playing through this is uh, Katamari Damacy because I was about to mention that yeah yeah because like that game isn't necessarily ex- exactly about being an asshole, but you are like absolutely causing havoc in the lives of everyone around you while you're trying to complete your little task. And there's also a certain element of like the fun of interacting with a huge variety of tiny objects or not tiny, so, you know, they're regular size, but like just yeah. interacting with all of these various different objects uh, in ways that are like destructive and weird and funny um, and yeah, I, I can't think of any other games that really play in this space, which is surprising. I've got one, uh, that when we played that, I compared to Katamari a ton, which was Donut County. Yeah. Oh yeah. That one has that same like havoc, like it's 
still low state. I mean, people are getting like uh, sent underground and have lost their homes, but also like mostly they're they're not like, oh no, I can never like send Jimmy to college. They're like, oh no, you're a mean person. <laughs> yeah, when you get wrapped up in a in a Katamari uh ball, you get shot into space. That is <laughs> people <a> die. <laughs> yeah, people are dead. You're killing every one of those things that you wrap into it. Uh in Donut County and in this game, um it's at at worst a a, a significant life interference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's I loved Donut County as well, and I think the two games do. I feel like aesthetically, um, I yeah. think they remind me of each other and just the the art art direction. And I absolutely love that aesthetic. And yeah, me that, too. Uh, I think in their puzzle format the as games. well. Yeah, I think in in similar in Donut County, like. None of the puzzles are too complex. They're normally going to be maybe one or two tier like staging elements where you do this to set up this next part and accomplish it. Yeah. And when we recorded Donut County or when we recorded the Looking Forward to 2019, I believe I was like, Donut County 2019, Dirtbag of the Year, The Raccoon. I was like, if Untitled Goose Game is not the Dirtbag of the Year, I will like... For sure. I was like, I was For like, sure. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. And now we have it. And I'm like, yep, dirtbag of the year. Yep, dirtbag dirt of, dirt of the year. Guaranteed goes to goose. Yep. Let's uh, wait. Uh, the the goose game does have a title, and it is dirtbag of the year. It is dirtbag <laughs> of the year. Actually, something that I really liked was that the uh, the developers clarified for everyone that the game does not have a title. When people started saying. They've said that their actual title is Untitled Goose Game. They're they're not uh, they're not waiting and trying to figure out a title. The title is Untitled Goose Game, and they were correcting people on Twitter. No, the game has no title. It is untitled. It is an Untitled Goose Game. That is not the title. It is Untitled. <laughs> I was like, that is more fun to be pedantic. Yeah, twenty twenty Dirtbag of the Year. People who still say this game has no title. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> love you, developers. Yeah. The dirtbag was us all along. Always. So the something that's really interesting about the game is the score for it. Hold on, actually, one second. Let me make sure I get the exact title right of the piece. So the score is Preludes uh, number 12, Minstrels by Claude WC. Um, and uh, it's not just the one piece overlaid over the game. The way What happened was a sound designer, composer, uh, who had worked with uh, House House before um, was brought in to score the trailer for the game a year or two ago. Um, and the game at the time didn't have any music and they didn't really have a plan for what would happen with that. Um, but he chose this, he edited the timing of different things so that it lined up perfectly with the actions the goose was doing. And I think that trailer really struck a chord with people and was really fun. And then it kind of was a thing of like, could we actually do this for the game where the music is coming in and is really fitting the action of what's happening on screen as you do it. Um, And so what they did was a pretty clever thing of doing two recordings of the piece, one at kind of a lower intensity, um, like a quieter kind of half-hearted version of the uh, of the actual performance um and one that's you know 
more assertive, the more typically what you're going to hear if you go pull, uh, play a recording of uh, this prelude. Um, but, I think you actually did three. Uh, there was a third one for oh, when you're being pursued. Oh, I thought it was just two, but um, I think yeah. I think okay. what I said. Or what, I mean, maybe I'm. I hope I'm not wrong, but I'm pretty sure they had three different intensities, which gives it a real dynamism. Like there's sort of like the idle goose music. Mm-hmm. There's the like slower than that, and then there's the faster than that. I'm not 100 percent sure, so we'll double check. Um. Yeah, double check. Uh, I'll edit that out if I'm wrong. Edit, yeah. <laughs> like always. Yeah, perfect. A service that is offered to one member of this podcast. <laughs> As like last year when I started Our Hearts and I was like, the best level is this one. I was like, oh, I got the name wrong. I just talked for five minutes. Shit, I really, awesome. I, I really tried, Laura, on that one. I tried no, to edit I know. that out for you. But I, I was like, I was like, I'm not going to be able to do that again, and I'm also not going to be able to yell out that passionately. So don't worry about it. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Um, Sorry. But and yeah, uh, yeah. Um, don't cut out my sick burn on Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Editor's note: It turns out Mark was right. There were two versions of the soundtrack recording, not three. But yeah, so the multiple versions of the score um, then are sliced up into tiny little, uh, 400 tiny little segments where it's, I think, two notes per segment. And so as that action is going on, it can really rapidly change between silence, intermediate, or faster, or being pursued or whatever, so that the intensity can ramp up or down as things happen. Um, and if it cuts out, it pretty smartly does some reverb. So it sounds more like a sustained pedal on the piano and it works so, so well. Um, it, it's something where, you know, as you're playing the game, you kind of just slowly realize that the music is reacting to you in this way. And it's just such a delight. Um, I thought it was just so fun to be able to do that. Yeah, it's all, it's pretty much all just piano playing. Uh, so it, as it's getting more intense, it actually, you can almost like feel someone like really hammering on the piano, which I think adds to an element of it. It reminded me of Ape Out, mm-hmm. a game yeah. we did recently. Uh, they also did that on the Spider-Man game. Not entirely the same, but they did something really cool with Spider-Man, which is they had the uh, uh, voice actor do the lines when you are, not swinging and the lines when you are swinging. So they made the game like more dynamic. If you're swinging, he's like out of breath and he's like trying to Mm. speak. And then if you're just like on the ground, he's speaking normally. So it's been really cool to see games evolve their sound design, both music and um, like uh, uh, voice recordings to actually try to be dynamic and respond to what you're doing in the game. And this game does it incredibly well in a way that's very simple but it really impactful and it really helps that tone because it's not too obvious it's not trying so hard it's really mm-hmm. funny but subtle like it could be wacky and wah, 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 but it's it's just <laughs> does every time it goes to yakety sacks when you're being chased <laughs> i mean honestly it could have like that's yeah. the yeah. thing i would i have been scared for like 
two years that this game was going to be obvious. Like it you've was been, be... you've been scared for two years. I have. <laughs> I've been terrified every to, night. I'm sorry you had to carry that every day. <laughs> I know it's my burden <laughs> that I've been worried that Untitled Goose Game oh, was going to be a like Bozo the Clown instead yeah. of Buster Keaton, and I'm so happy mm-hmm. I have Buster Keaton. <laughs> I'm, I hope you can get some sleep. <laughs> Finally, I'm catching up. It's been a really long two years. You know, Laura, yeah. you mentioned earlier and just now actually like that this reminded you of like a silent film or a Buster Keaton thing. And that's that's what this score is like. We're it's so close to the experience of I don't know if any of you have ever been to a, um, a theater where they were playing a silent film and had a, a, a pianist in the theater playing the score live. Mm-hmm. I've been to a few presentations like that. And this was so close to that experience that you could almost imagine a little like guy in the corner playing the piano, watching your goose and reacting in time. And it, it it's just it, it, it gives this it gives it this sort of I don't want to call it like old timey feel, but it. It's something like that. It's like a. It makes it feel more British, little it, town. It does like, make it feel more British. The kids would be singing somehow. "Village Green Preservation Society," and they'd be like, "Except for that goose." <laughs> <laughs> it really does make it feel more British somehow. There's there's a lot about this game that's that's very British. There's a lot of things about the town that are like you know are very British, but it's also still pretty universal. There are geese everywhere in this world, yeah. unfortunately. I believe the people, I believe House House, the developer of the game, then they're Australian, Are they? if I recall. Really? Huh. I would have, Fact I would have expected. Fact check me on that, please. I will, but <laughs> I, I would have really expected them to be British based on the game itself. But like, you know, uh, they they really nailed a certain like small town British vibe. I have spent very oh, yeah. little time in my life in small town, small town Britain. Um, but based on the one uh, one extended visit I had as a teenager in Epping, which is a suburb of um, of London that's about as far as you can get on the tube and still be on the tube. Um, it felt a lot like this. We know you're a midsummer murders addict. Face it. Just <laughs> face it. Yep. My my dad is British um, and his family is all back there. And so I've visited a number of times and uh, my uncle lives in a town that's probably a few hundred people, maybe a thousand, uh, that this uh, feels pretty much dead uh, on hey, hey, hey mark <laughs> mark you have been brought on as the bird expert uh reagan <laughs> reagan's one experience in britain is what we want to hear about as a 13 year old right, so please reagan uh mark stay in your lane okay <laughs> thank thank you for uh thank you for setting things back on track mate um so i i think that's pretty much all we have to say about untitled goose game this game is a lot of fun I very much enjoyed it. It's available on the Nintendo Switch and other platforms too. What else is it on? I Mac and PC. And not on any other consoles yet at this time. No. Okay. So I would I would be very surprised if it doesn't eventually make it to other consoles. So if you don't have a Switch, I would definitely recommend playing this on Mac or PC anyway, uh, because it's short enough that it's, I mean, how long did you guys spend with this game? A couple hours. Yeah. A f- yeah, yeah. A few hours. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it, and it, you can progress without completing everything, which is cool. Um, so it's really hard to get like really, truly stuck on this game. Yeah. Yeah. So this should run on pretty much anything. If you have a computer in your life, uh, you can play this game. Um, and it'll probably come to other consoles eventually if you'd prefer to play it there, but it's a really nice experience on the switch. I had a lot of fun playing this in handheld. I think it's perfect for switch. It is perfect. And 
And you can join the discourse out on Twitter, or I have already favorited 21 tweets about Goose Game. Um, just because people, and like, I feel like I'm only favoriting a small percentage of what I'm seeing, and most of them are not from game people. That's what's making me yeah. like really happy about this game is you want this experience to be shared widely, and there's no reason not to. Yeah, I I played this uh, Molly with me, who is a puzzle master, so it was fun to play as a group too. You know, just like try different things. Yeah, and um, I mean, for me, like I I don't uh, I don't really play a lot of games with my wife, um, and she's usually pretty bored if I'm putting on a video game. Uh, like you know, she'll do something on her phone or what have you, and. Um, or, you know, we'll play in different, I'll play in a different room or what have you. But like, I played this in the living room on the TV and she watched a good bit of it and, and we had some laughs about it together. And I mean, it's, it's a great watching game in addition to a great mm-hmm. playing game. It's also a, a pretty inexpensive game. It's uh, $20 MSRP and it is on a sort of, uh, you know, intro sale at uh, $15. Uh, it might not still be by the time this episode comes out. I'm not sure what they're schedule is on that but at $20 I feel like this is a great experience and this game made me very very happy this week but of course listeners to this show know we love to close our episodes with a segment that we call what's making you happy this week and so I'll start with our guest Mark what's making you happy this week yeah so um I just upgraded to iOS 13.1 with the new update which is slightly more stable still kind of buggy Um, But with that, I've been doing the trial of Apple Arcade, Mm. Um, and there are just so many really cool games on there that I've had just a hard time uh, just kind of bouncing between a bunch of really awesome games that I've been loving. Um, And, uh, you know, there's a hundred launch titles, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think we have an Apple Arcade episode in our near future. I think we have yeah. to. I don't even know how we condense yeah. something like that, though. Like, we're definitely not going to try all 100 games or anything like that. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure how we're going to manage that. What, what Every you, time we uh, don't have a game, I'll just do one. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What have you had your eye on? Um, so I have been, just a few that I've been really enjoying um, have been Cards of Darkness, uh, What the Golf, and Neocab uh, are all very fun uh, and the I think Cards of Darkness especially just the it's by Zach Gage who has made a whole bunch of other really great uh, phone iOS games uh, like Flip Flop Solitaire and Really Bad Chess um, where they're all kind of very basic games that then have been some element of them is just totally flipped on its head or thrown out the window in a way where it feels both absolutely ridiculous and silly and suddenly is a totally new game because of it. Um, And so in this, you're uh, doing kind of a dungeon clearing while also a kind of uh, solitaire. (laughs) And nice. uh, So because of that, and it's done with um, Zach Age and Pendleton Ward, uh, the creator of Adventure Time did all the illustrations for it. And it's, just so cute and silly and fun. Um, And it's something where then I've just been enjoying uh, just quick sessions of that. Uh, Then there's tons of other games that I also want to try still, but uh, then I feel like, you know, even I I don't know that I could even get to all the ones that I want to play in one month without running out. And I know they're just going to be, 
continuing to add more of them. So it's, uh, I think Apple may have won me over with this. <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, I'm not, um, I got to say that like the, the selection is better than I was expecting. Um, you know, there's, there's pluses and minuses to like adding one more subscription service to my life and, and other things about it. But like, it is a little encouraging to see that I think the curation of these games, they, they've made, Apple has never made good choices with regard, with regards to video <laughs> games ever in their entire past as a company. Yeah. And so I had very low expectations for Apple Arcade. But when I, when I started really looking through the list of games, um, yeah, lots of stuff I wanted to play. I've downloaded quite a few onto my phone and have played essentially zero of any of them. But like the one sitting here that I'm staring at, um, Earth Knight was a game that, uh, I played at an event back in 2015 and have been eagerly awaiting it coming out that back then it was a Vita game and I had no idea that it was even coming out on iOS. Uh, and here it is. And, um, Jenny LeClue is one that I've been looking forward to. Um, mm-hmm. um, Mutazione, uh, looks amazing. Like really, really want to play that one. Um, and there's like probably a half a dozen others that are just like, I, I've downloaded yeah. a bunch. And last, mm-hmm. last week's game, uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts is yeah, also yeah, on course, there. Of course, of course. We mentioned it then, but I forgot, forgot right now. Cause yeah, that's, uh, that's also on there. So yeah, if you, d- if you listen to last week's episode or if you haven't, um, go back and listen to it. We talk all about Sayonara Wild Hearts, which might be at least for me, the like most compelling thing on Apple Arcade. So, um, if at least soundtrack of the year, I don't yeah. think anything's going to compete oh, yeah. with it. Yeah, nothing's going to beat that soundtrack. That soundtrack rules. Um, Laura, what's making you happy this week? So I uh, have been listening to a Lost rewatch podcast, despite not actually rewatching Lost along with it. Um, So my experience with Lost um, was that I roomed with a guy. There was a room in college like that summer that everybody multiple sublet their rooms. So there were like 10 people living in this apartment and it was very bad, but somebody in the apartment had an internships at DreamWorks and would just bring home DVD box sets. So Mm. he brought home like Desperate Housewives season one, Lost season one and Muppet Show season one inexplicably were the three that I ended up with, but I hadn't watched Lost because I was, you know, you miss stuff when you're in college because there's no TV. So we put like the DVDs and we watched that season one and then it became like, like we watched Lost Parties. Like it was a thing to do. So I haven't seen them since. And that was like 2004, 2005. Like it's been a long time. So it's really fascinating. They've almost at the end of season one to, they do, um, the podcast is called The Storm and it's the same people who did Storm of Spoilers, which is a Game of Thrones podcast. The format before was, um, they talked about, um, things in a non-spoiler way. And then they'd be like, and here's all the leaks we got on Reddit. (laughs) This Mm. is what we think we know. So it was like the calm and the storm. They've now done this for Lost. So the first part of it's, if you've never watched the show, they bleep anything that's a spoiler for the rest of the season. And then the second half is they'll, they usually have an interview with someone associated with it. And then they go into the, the storm, which is all the, like, this is all the references to the end game and all that stuff. It's fascinating how much of a show I have not watched in 15 years is still like recessed in my brain. I only huh. watch these episodes yeah. once. Like I didn't rewatch episodes. And yet they're like, when they have this scene and like Vincent comes out of the bush, I'm like, yeah, that was really cool when the dog came out of the bush. <laughs> so it's fascinating how much I remember. It's great hearing like conspiracy theories you're not invested with. It's just the palate cleanser huh. I need after being like, 
I'm still a Game of Thrones book person and I'm still too involved in all of the theorizing around Game of Thrones. It's great to dip into a fandom and hear equally crazy batshit theories that I'm not invested in. So I, it's it's really weirdly cathartic to listen to The Storm. It's, it's a perfect getting ready podcast. Um, and to also be like, oh, I wasn't crazy for investing so much time in this 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the best thing about anything revolving around conspiracy theories with Lost is Unlike Game of Thrones, with Lost, the writers also had no idea what they were doing or the what they were going to do. You come up with conspiracy <laughs> so, theories, so you can do whatever you want. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's so much space. It's great. What a weird show. I haven't thought about it much the last little while, but every now and then I think back about Lost and I'm like, man, that was a long show with a lot of lot of stuff that ha- happened and then <laughs> just I mean, came to what nothing. explicitly <laughs> makes me happy about that is that there's a segment they do every week, which is the most 2004 thing about this episode. And often it's a piece of clothing, but sometimes it's like the fact that someone made a joke about like, um, like sometimes it's like a scrunchie was being worn by somebody. And sometimes it is like, no one understands this or like the fact that there was a like a giant oasis reference like that's pretty too yeah. <laughs> there's a uh there's one of the best episodes of community is a claymation christmas special and they use uh lost as a big time metaphor and i highly recommend it god i miss that show that show ruled yeah oh. the um I hate to be a bit of a bit of a cliche, but like I know a lot of my what's making me happy this week stuff lately has been about retro video games and retro video game hardware. And um, that is, again, the case this week, sort of. Um, it's just that's what I play when I'm not playing games for the show is I play old games and, and I get into that anyway. I'm not I'm done defending myself to you people. Um, <laughs> so uh, this week I I bought a mister. So if you're not uh, deeply involved in the like uh, in the retro video game scene, uh, you might not be familiar. Um, Mister is a open source project to re-implement a bunch of classic uh, video game uh, consoles and also old computers, things like Apple IIs and so on, um, in FPGA uh, in an open source way where they can all be run on open source like easily available hardware. So you start with um, I don't need to get too much into the techie weeds of it, but basically um, FPGAs are uh, field programmable gate arrays. It's a it's a very interesting technology where you build a single chip that can essentially uh, simulate the functioning of a bunch of other chips and be reconfigured on the fly. And um, what that means is unlike something like an emulator where you've got one computer with one processor trying to do everything that a complex system like an old computer would do, um, it actually has kind of, you can think of it as having a processor that kind of splits up into a bunch of tiny little pieces that each simulates a tiny little part of the old computer and you get a very realistic simulation uh, that's cool. much better than a, than an actual, emu- like a regular computer emulator. Anyway, long story short, it's this cool piece of tech that can pretend to be very accurately an SNES, an NES, a Genesis, but also weird stuff like uh, older, uh, older, uh, you know, like an MSX or uh, you know, an Apple II or a Commodore 64 or even now a Neo Geo, some pretty fancy stuff. Um, it's this extraordinarily exciting piece of tech. Um, and so I'm very excited about it. It's a new tinkering project for me. And I've been spending yes. a lot of time uh, doing research and buying all the little bits you have to assemble. And it's this very techy looking thing with bare boards with little like, you know, uh, plexiglass uh, case and everything. So um, I recommend the Mr. Project if you are getting into, uh, you know, uh, retro video game hardware and want a way to 
get the same feel as an old classic console, but you know, but not. It's pretty neat. Anyway, <laughs> you're that is extraordinarily exciting. Yeah, I know. You're welcome. Uh, Nate, what's <laughs> making you happy this week? <laughs> Sorry to be a self-parody, by the way. <laughs> you're good. So multiple things are making me happy uh, this week. First of all, whatever Mark is eating right now looks delicious. Super good looking. <laughs> and that, yeah, I'm. it's incredible. Lena uh, made this and yeah. was like, all right, I think I'm done mostly with the talking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're good, nope. man. Don't worry about it. I'm pulling you, I'm pulling you back in. So whatever Mark's <laughs> eating right now looks super tasty. Uh, Celeste Chapter 9 oh, dang. is making me happy. Uh, so one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I've been slowly grinding my way towards a hundred percent and uh, which I've never ever wanted to do on a video game ever in my life until I started playing Celeste. Uh, of course, they've made that significantly more difficult for me now by adding a whole chunk of new content, but I am very much enjoying it. Uh, and sidebar, we've been talking about, if you're on the Patreon, we've been talking about doing additional content that will be Patreon only. Uh, some of that may be things like us talking about additions to games we've already covered, like Celeste. So if you're interested in that, let us know. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very excited about that game, uh, both the game itself, but also the developers. It's just, I can't believe they keep doing this. They keep making more good <laughs> stuff uh, that you just get, that you just, it's, you, they just, you bought the game one time and the the depth of Celeste is phenomenal and so. in a way it's kind of exciting that this i mean for me in a way it's kind of exciting that this is they've stated the last thing they're putting out for celeste because that also means that presumably they're moving on to make something else and i can't wait for whatever yes, that is absolutely because Towerfall, mm-hmm. their first map makes games uh not they've i just, guess they've just been a couple different versions and now i forget what they're called yeah uh, which is a whole awesome topic because uh there's been a lot of really upsetting news about publishers uh, over the last several months and uh, all the stuff that Matt makes games now extremely okay games uh, mm-hmm. is their new name is all like wonderfully nice and thoughtful stuff from a game publisher. So uh, really a game developer and publisher. So excited about them. But anyway, uh, if you want more of that, uh, I don't know, join the discord and let me know. Um, but I also, I, I watched the Steven universe movie. Uh, last week, which <laughs> I, I love know, it. This is the third uh, third week in a row that somebody's mentioned it. I think. Yes, <laughs> it's so I know. So it's it's great. So I won't go in on that. No, too I love much. it. I love it. Uh, I it's love fantastic. Uh, it's really good. Um, watch the series first, but yeah. if you have and haven't watched the movie, do it. Uh, big baseball fan. Cardinals just clinched playoffs. So uh, by time we record next time, we'll see if that is uh, how it went. <laughs> um, good luck, but. Uh, that's a big thing uh, that I'm excited about. And so a lot. I'm just so delighted about how happy you are this week, Nate. Like you, you're running over. I kept running over. And finally, I'm going to one last thing. Uh, and this is my favorite thing to do uh, on this show is uh, what makes me really happy is when someone goes on iTunes and leaves a very <laughs> nice review. So, uh, you know, chef's kiss uh, to anyone who does this. And I want to shout out uh, nicknamed Morpho Monarch, which I have to imagine is a Venture Brothers reference, uh, which is also always makes me happy. So uh, 
they said some very, very nice things. But specifically, they pointed out our soothing tone of voice. <laughs> so, uh, love that. Like that. <laughs> I assume they're talking about Reagan. Um, but I, I definitely appreciate anyone who takes the time to go on uh, and write very, very nice things about us. We really, really appreciate it. So, if you want your iTunes username <laughs> shouted out on this show and me to make jokes about the nice things you say about us, uh, please go and do that. Um, we love it. It means a lot. So thank yes, you. and thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll also find a contact form, great way to let us know what games you think we ought to cover. Or, of course, you can join our Discord. Go to patreon.com and uh, you'll uh, slash The Short Game, and you'll find all the details you need to know there. You can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Or you can find our show on Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, Mark, where can people find you and all the work you do? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at MC Bramhill. Uh, and you can find the work I do for BirdNote at birdnote.org. Yes. And uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And I'll be frantically doing IF Comp. Uh, reading for next week's episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. And Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>